You know, again, Delaware is unique in that the state is responsible for all the roads, but the, the counties or the towns are responsible for all the land use decisions. So if we don't have that partnership, it, this doesn't work. And so for so many years, I think it was that finger pointing of like, well, that was the county, that wasn't us, or that was Delta, that wasn't us. And so just kind of breaking down those silos and working together is really kind of what's made the difference. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod County. I'm your host, Kyle Grantham. And on this episode, we're going to talk to Dell Dot Secretary Nicole Majeski. Now, we actually talked to Nicole a couple weeks ago, and we had every intention of turning this episode around within like 48 hours, getting it straight out to you guys. It was a great, it's a great conversation. We love it. And uh, I will tell you, I was literally putting the final little bit of that intro music on the edit, and the entire computer crashed. And we have had to completely re-edit the episode completely redo uh, all the work we had done, which was like a full day's worth of work. And we are now getting it back to you. But yeah, unfortunately, that entire first first go, uh, our first edit of, of everything was lost. And we've, we actually spent the last two weeks trying to recover the data before we just said, forget it, we're going to spend another day and a half re-editing everything and putting it all back together. But we're here now. We've got the interview. We've got the episode for you guys to listen to. And... It's a great one. Uh, Nicole is a former county employee. Uh, she she worked for the county under then county executive Chris Coons, but she is now, as of uh, January, the secretary for DelDot and uh, really managing some fantastic projects there. And with the infrastructure bill that has passed uh, and has been signed into law by President Biden, uh, we'll be managing a lot more as we are likely to see quite a bit of federal funding uh, infused into the state budget for more highway projects. So Sit back, uh, have a listen. I'm sure you're going to have questions about all the different projects around the state. I don't know that we're going to necessarily get answers on your specific project, but we do talk about some of the the myriad construction projects that happen on Delaware roadways. Uh, So sit back and have a listen. Of Pod County, we have got Del Dot Secretary Nicole Majeski in the studio today, and former Newcastle County employee. Correct. That is correct. What on earth did you do to work here? Why? Why? <laughs> well, I joined the administration in 2005 with then County Executive Chris Coons. Okay, he's done yeah. all right for himself. You since. know, I mean, not so bad. And you've done okay too. Yeah, Del Dot Secretary. This really, I Newcastle County is the launching pad for the next United States Senator and the next uh, Transportation Secretary. Really. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Well, thank you for coming in today. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of fun stuff from uh, everyone's favorite uh, Delaware State Flower, the traffic cone, yes. to, uh, you know, different projects you guys have in the works. And then hopefully, uh, you know, the Build Back, not the Build Back Better, sorry, the Bipartisan Infrastructure. We just call it uh, the Infrastructure. The Infrastructure Bill. bill. That thing passed I-I-J-A or I, sure. it's got a lot of acronyms yeah. and... Basically, money for roads yes. and bridges and in all kinds of hard projects is hopefully going to be coming to Delaware. So maybe there'll yes. be some cool things that we can talk about there. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you for coming in. We also have County Executive Matt Meyer is in here. He's going to ask some questions of the secretary. And with that, Matt, you want to you take it away? Kick it off? Uh, sure, Kyle. Thanks. It's great to be here with Kyle and Secretary Majeski. As was mentioned, you've had 16 years of public service experience in the county. In the state, any yeah. reflections you want to start with? Nearly I mean, two decades working for the people. It's so of the state. great coming home. It's like old home week. C.R. McLeod 
is with me, our uh, director of community relations at Delta, and he and I actually worked together at Newcastle County for a number of years. But I have to say that my time at Newcastle County is one of my favorites. What and exactly were you doing at the county? So I joined the administration. Uh, we took uh, Chris took office in 2005, uh, and so that's, I actually that's county executive county Coons. executive Coon. Sorry. Yeah, um, so I joined his team, and I initially was hired as the policy director, and then about six months into the administration, I became chief of staff, and then I served in that role throughout his entire administration. Great, and then you moved on to the state. And then I moved on to to the state of Delaware. Governor Jack Markell was in office. Shailen Batt was joining his administration as the Secretary of Transportation, and I joined his team as his deputy secretary. And I've been with Delta for 10 years. Halloween was actually my anniversary, so 10 years, and I've been serving in the role as secretary since this past January. Great. It's a scary 10 years, we could say, right? <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. Uh, tell us about Delta. What are some exciting things going on these days at Delta that the people of Delaware want to hear about? So I, I think, as was mentioned, the state flower, the traffic cone, we're very proud of that. It just shows that we're making improvements throughout the state and putting people to work. We're creating a lot of jobs with all the investments that we're making in infrastructure. So I don't think it's possible to go anywhere in the state without running into one of our work zones, which we think is a good thing. Uh, I know people can get frustrated with that, but that just kind of shows the improvement and the investment that we're making throughout the state. So we have a lot of work that's going on. We have a lot of safety projects that are going on. But then we're also just really excited uh, to the governor announced the, the Climate Action Plan, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. He formally announced and released that plan last week. And for our part, we've created a division in Delta that's solely uh, devoted to looking at transportation resiliency and sustainability. So that's going to be a great new effort for us. To so what does that mean, transportation resiliency? So we've estimated that there's about a billion dollars worth of our existing infrastructure in the state that is threatened by sea level rise. And so we need to take a harder look at how we can protect the existing infrastructure that we have, make it more resilient, but then also as we're planning for future projects, incorporate resiliency into those projects, whether it's the design, you know, elevations, materials that we're using, and, and really where we're building them, because we've, we've all kind of seen the sea level rise maps and where we're seeing the greatest impact. And so we've got to incorporate all that into the planning and the design and the construction going forward. So that's probably the biggest piece of it, but then also tied to that is the electrification of our infrastructure and then reducing our emissions because we recognize that transportation is the leading cause of greenhouse gas emissions. And so we've got to do our part, especially on the public transit side, to reduce the emissions from the fleet that we, we have out on the roads. That means more electric buses? More electric buses. So we, as of, I would say, next year, 10% of our fixed route buses will be all electric. And we are really excited with some opportunities that are going to come our way with the Federal Transit Administration that there's going to be more uh, funding available for electric buses. So we're hoping to even increase that fleet even more. Great. No, that's great for Newcastle County and great for the state. Any sense of how the federal infrastructure bill will impact that? Yeah, so we are really excited that the bill finally passed over the weekend, and we're eager for the president to sign it into law. So for us, we are anticipating receiving an additional $100 million in federal allocation each. So it's a five-year bill, so an additional $100 million over the next How five years. How much do you normally receive? So right now we receive about $250 million a year from oh, so the... so it's a huge... It's so 40%. It's about, so about $350 mm -hmm. um, will come to us. And so the difference now is that about 50 million of it will be just through our regular allocation that we get. 
And then now there's new formula funding that each state DOT is getting that's dedicated for bridge preservation and rehabilitation. So that's about 45 million or so that's gonna come to us that will have to be used for bridge rehabilitation and preservation and then new formula of money for EV infrastructure. So we're still trying to figure out exactly how that's going to work. Um, we're waiting for the details to come, you know, whether that's we as now the state are going to be building these EV charging stations or is it, you know, are we partnering with others? We're still waiting for the details to come on that, but we're really excited to. On the, on the bridges that. and infrastructure, that $50 million, do you have an idea of the priority projects we're looking yeah, at, so, specific things? So we are unique in Delaware in that we actually own and maintain 90% of the roads and 90% of the bridges. So we have over 1,700 bridges in the state that we own and maintain. 1,700 bridges. 1,700 bridges. That's almost one bridge for every person. It's, it's a lot. Because I think when you think bridges, you're thinking the Roth Bridge, the St. George's Bridge, the Indian River Inlet Bridge, these massive ones. But... As you're driving along I-95, you are crossing just a ton of bridges. Like in the Restore the Corridor project we have, that three miles of I-95, there are 19 bridges throughout that corridor that people don't even realize that they're crossing over them. You said 19 bridges on three miles of I-95. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Wow. Because you're over the viaduct. Wow. Yeah. So we have our annual bridge, I would say, need is about $80 million a year. And so with this additional $45 million, on top of what we already have programmed, we're going to be able to, to tackle that a lot. We're not going to redo those 19 bridges over on 95. No, we're, we're taking care of them right now through the project. Good. So t tell us about the Restore the Corridor. How, how is that going? Where are we mm -hmm. in the process? So the Restore the Corridor project is the I-95 rehabilitation project that goes from the 95-495 split all the way just south of the 202 exit. So it's three miles we are paving rehabbing that entire stretch. We have the 19 bridges that we are rehabbing, the exit ramps. There's 11 different on and off ramps that we are we're rehabbing as well. Doing additional signage, lighting, guardrail, a bunch of safety improvements as well. So that project kicked off the end of February. It's from a construction standpoint, it's going really well. As you know, we contraflowed, so we're working on the northbound lanes. So all traffic is in a contraflow pattern in the southbound lanes. And then, you know, in a few months, we'll be switching that over and then moving all the traffic going to the northbound lanes and working on the southbound lanes. From a construction standpoint, it's going really well. From a safety standpoint, we really need people to slow down in that work zone. Uh, so because it's a contraflow pattern, there are some really narrow lanes throughout that work zone. And even though we have the speed limit reduced to 45 miles an hour, people are going through there at 57, 60 plus miles per hour. And we've unfortunately seen over 300 accidents in that just three mile stretch. So we've been trying to do everything we can from restricting tractor trailers to we're going to be doing some mobile speed enforcement that's going to be coming up here in the next few months with DSP. But it's just been that, that's been probably our biggest challenge. I think we were foreseeing the miles and miles of backup when that project started. And that hasn't been the case. And people are actually moving a lot faster through it than we had anticipated. So just the safety piece is probably our biggest concern right now. I imagine the ways Google Maps helps as well because it, it tells you to go a different way. It does. I mean, 495 is the best way, even if you're just going, you know, from Delaware to, to Philadelphia or, or wherever it might be, 495 is your best option. Even if you're going to downtown Wilmington, taking 495 and getting off that first exit is really your, your best and fastest approach. Yeah, I think I asked you when the initial information campaign was going on preparing for it, how can we help? And you said, just make sure people don't drive on I-95 yeah, for a few years. Tell them to go to 495. It'll be great. Any idea when it'll be done? Uh, we anticipate next year. Great. 2022. 2022. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah fingers fingers crossed. crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. Because it's always, 
I mean, everything that we do is weather dependent. And so, you know, that's always uh, Mother Nature never likes to work with I us. I also, Secretary Majeski, I feel like on behalf of the people of Newcastle County, need to thank you for finishing 141. Almost. We are in the final, the home stretch of 141 being completed after, I don't even know, almost decades of of construction. So, yeah, yes. there's something. Sp- I mean, it's nice to always drive on a smooth <laughs> road, but when it's newly <laughs> paved and the traffic cones are gone, yes. it does it does feel great. It, tell me about pathways, bikes, yeah, so walkable pathways. I think um, you know incorporating multimodal design and options for the residents of Delaware is always a priority for us, especially when you're looking at the climate action plan, reducing emissions. So giving people alternatives to get to and from their you know work or recreation is always is always key. And so for us, we really want to look at how do we connect communities. And we've been investing in larger projects like the Jack Markell Trail, um, which is a huge investment from Newcastle down to, to Wilmington. We're doing the investment down from Georgetown to Lewis, um, the Junction Breakwater Trail. We've got the Capital City Trail that we're um, nearing completion down in Dover, which is going to be a great kind of loop for people to take there. So those those are great just from an overall Congestion management kind of gives you an alternative. You can bike to, to and from work, or even especially if you're at the beach, you can bike from Lewis to Rehoboth and not have to get on Route 1, which is a huge uh, save of time for people. But we also just want to look at like reconnecting communities and how do we just, even like if it's smaller scale projects where we're just incorporating some bike paths or you know, it, making sure we have s- sidewalk connections, how do we make sure that people are being able to get to grocery stores, medical facilities, school safely. So we're, we're, you're still going to see us do some of the bigger projects, but we do want to kind of look at these smaller scale projects of how do we, you know, you've got a, we were actually looking at a, a, a project today, an area in Western Sussex, there's a community that there's, there's no sidewalks at all. And it's a very narrow road. And so it's like, how do we connect that community to this church that's there or this medical facility that's there? And so we want to take a little deeper dive and kind of look at those smaller scale projects. Which, of course, is not just DelDOT. It's county land use and municipal it land is. use working with Good the Good segue into, into yeah. land use. We have one of the things I'm proudest of that I don't talk about too much is the collaboration between DelDOT yeah. and land use. It's something I know you heard about when you were at the county and I heard about when I first came in that residents, business owners, land developers who had cool new ideas felt like they were dealing with two different agencies in a silo. Yep. And we've made it a priority to meet. You're getting choked up <coughs> just thinking about up. it. <laughs> uh, we've made it a priority to meet on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think it's had an impact. Yeah. And it's really a full circle moment for me uh, because when I started at Newcastle County and working uh, with land use, one of the first things that we did was creating the Southern Newcastle County Master Plan, which really turned into the first Southern Newcastle County Transportation Improvement District, which is really the coordination between land use and transportation. What is, can you explain what exactly is a transportation improvement district? And I should say, before you answer that, my first instructor on transportation improvement districts was, in fact, like six years ago, Secretary <laughs> Majeski, then Deputy yeah, Secretary Majeski. Yeah, that's true. So a transportation improvement district, or a TID, is a geographical area that we determine working with the local land use agency. Basically, you, you know, draw a circle around a map, and we determine what all those parcels are that are in there and what what are they currently developed at and what could they be developed to. And so working collaboratively to say, okay, if we want density to go here, if we want businesses to go here, this is what that ends up you know, doing from a traffic standpoint. And then we take all that zoning data 
and then we overlay and do a traffic improvement study on the entire area to determine these are the traffic improvements that would be needed to support the development to occur. And it's a great collaboration because it gives consistency for those that live in a TID. This is what's going to happen if if that area develops. And then for businesses that want to expand, relocate into that area, they know this is exactly what's going to be needed of me. And it is a partnership. So the developers do pay a contribution. The state's paying um, a contribution for those improvements. And so it really is that that collaboration because, you know, again, Delaware is unique in that the state is responsible for all the roads, but the, the counties or the towns are responsible for all the land use decisions. So if we don't have that partnership, it, this doesn't work. And so for so many years, I think it was that finger pointing of like, well, that was the county, that wasn't us, or that was Delta, that wasn't us. And so just kind of breaking down those silos and working together is really kind of what's made the difference. Yeah, that's great. I mean, among other things, I've found it, it helps to lure sort of top employers and top retail here, the Panera, the Wegmans, the Trader yeah. Joe's. They love stuff like this. Yeah, and especially, you know, Westtown is one of our probably success stories down in Middletown where you see the Amazons, Johnson Controls, all those bigger manufacturers that have chosen to come there because we had the TID in place and we had the infrastructure there. It was They knew what was expected for them to, to build there. Well, I mean, one thing we're looking at in county government, I know state government is too, federal government is, all of us, many companies, nonprofits are looking at issues that have arisen, particularly in the last year and a half, or things that have come to our attention that have been problems for generations. How can we live in a more equitable community? It's not something you often think about, you know, equity in the environment, environmental justice. You don't hear much about transportation justice or equity in transportation, but certainly where I sit in Newcastle County, the decisions you make at Delta have a huge impact on equity. I know I-95 has often talked about the impact it had, positive, negative, on the city of Wilmington and on our community. Yep. So I would say that, you know, for us, you know, you mentioned environmental justice. And environmental justice is, is a process that you go through when you're developing a project and you see, you know, what are the impacts that it's going to have, positive and negative. Um, and so that's something that's always been looked at, but it's never been something that's been brought to the forefront of, of our agency, and now it is. And so we talk about equity and transportation a lot now, and we're going to continue to talk about it a lot going forward, whether it's me or any of our division directors. Um, that's what you're going to hear us when we're talking about projects, because I-95 is a great example. We have to recognize that the projects of our past did not come without consequences, and they had the severe impacts and they divided communities. And so we have a responsibility to try to right those wrongs that were were created from our infrastructure projects. And then also, you know, look to see, 95 is always kind of the, the, the biggest example that people look to, but we have to look to see, do we have another I-95 somewhere in the state where we've done the same thing, where our project divided a community as opposed to connecting a community? We have to make sure we prevent that from happening going forward with our projects. And so taking a look at, you know, how do we connect people? How do we make sure that people can get to and from their destination, that you have safe, reliable transportation, whether it's on our transit side, making sure that that is safe and accessible and reliable for everyone, or just as we were talking about before, just like sidewalk connections, that people can walk safely to and from areas, that low-income areas where unfortunately, I think, have been designed so that they favor more the vehicle than they do the person. Like, we have to go back and kind of reevaluate that and and right that wrong and do more of these now road diets to, like, slow cars down and make it more pedestrian-friendly for people. So equity and transportation is 
is a big thing for us, and it's it's one of the things that we're going to focus on a lot. And so, you mentioned I ninety five, and that again is kind of the the poster for this issue, and it's kind of brought it to the forefront, which is a great thing. So we've um, been partnering with Will Mapco, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, for them to conduct a feasibility study on what capping I-95 would look like through the city of Wilmington. So what exactly, so when you talk about a cap, just yep. so that the listeners understand, what what does that mean, putting a so cap on I-95? So it can 95? mean everything from, so we have a number of cross streets all over I-95 that connect the east and west side of, of the city of Wilmington. And so it can mean everything from removing cars from those those cross streets and making them more pedestrian friendly. Which is done, I think West Side grows they every do now every and then. Now and do and then. Yep. They do like a, a night or a weekend. And so making that permanent or actually building a cap. So you then create a cap that you build over top of I-95 that connect all of those streets. And so that becomes like a solid foundation, which could be a park. They go back to the Mayor Baker plan from 2004, I believe, where it showed like an amphitheater and parks and all these different types of things. So there's many different options when you talk about capping. And so this feasibility study is really looking at how do you, what are all the different options? Are, is there a consensus? Because really it's what do the neighborhoods want? We're, we're trying to connect the neighborhoods. So really it should be them dictating to us what it is that they want and then us looking to see how can we create it and make it feasible. It shouldn't be you know, state government or county government or city government saying, this is what we think you th- mm-hmm. you want. It really should be the neighborhoods, the, the people that live there that are telling us that. And so we're looking at those different options and building a huge cap like that will take hundreds of millions of dollars and it'll take a lot of time. But we're also part of the study is looking at, can you phase it in? So you can still do something now that continues to grow over time. We're also going to look at underneath I-95 because unbeknownst to us, I mean, because 95 was built in the in the 60s, well before my time, uh, was that they envisioned underneath I-95 to actually be green open space that was connecting neighborhoods that way. And that's kind of, that really never happened. And so we're looking, is is that an option that we can also add to this? And You're talking about at, down around Martin Luther King, 4th Street? Yeah, for all the way up. I mean, like right now you've got, you've got some basketball courts, but it really is kind of, it's paved over or it's mm-hmm. it like it's not it's not very you know a, a appealing or friendly it, it doesn't like encourage people to kind of gather mm-hmm. there and so we're looking at different options like that now i've heard the u.s secretary of transportation mm-hmm. pete Buttigieg, talk about this issue around the country not just yep. in wilmington quite a bit any idea if there's federal money for initiatives like this we are we're hopeful and they've talked about the fact that this new infrastructure bill will include funding specifically for equity projects. And so we haven't seen the details of that, but we're really excited that there this could be a possibility that that could be funded that Great. way. Great. And so right now with the I-95 cap, Will MAPCO is looking at it. Any idea of the timing on that? They're starting, they started about, I want to say September with kicking off their ad- advisory council and doing some um, neighborhood meetings. And so they're going to continue that. I believe, hopefully it'll be by the spring that they'll have at least some conceptual ideas together of what people are are interested in right. And if you're listening and want to get involved, presumably you can Google Will Mapco, Will Mapco I-95 <laughs> yes. cap and get all the information yep. you need. Thanks for your work on that. I know it's meaningful to yeah. a lot of people, uh, particularly in who live in, and work in Wilmington. It, you know, for those that don't know, DelDOT, we hear a lot about DelDOT. What's sort of the mission of DelDOT? What are you trying to achieve? So our mission is excellence in transportation. Every trip, every mode, every dollar, and every one. And that is a mission that was created by our employees. And so we take that really seriously. And we actually start all of our presentations off by talking about that mission. But 
our priority is is always going to be safety in everything that we do, the safety of the traveling public and the safety of our people, making sure that they get to go home at the end of every shift. That's my number one priority and the pr- priority of our agency. And unfortunately, this this last few months, we've seen an uptick in the number of roadway fatalities. Last year, we had 117 roadway fatalities for all of 2020. We've, we actually hit that mark this past weekend with three fatalities that occurred. Um, so we're already at 117. Well, presumably, there are a lot more people on the roads in 2021 than in 2020. That, that is correct. But unfortunately, even last year, with the number of cars, the traffic volumes being down, speeding was up because people were like, oh, I'm not stuck in traffic anymore. I can mm. drive as fast as I want. So we saw a lot of crashes associated with that. And so looking at our pedestrian safety and and roadway safety is is always going to be the forefront of what we do and, and working with our partners in law enforcement and Office of Highway Safety and Safety and Homeland Security to try to educate the public and, and even do some more targeted enforcement to get people to slow down. Do you like being Secretary Dot? I, I mean, much of what you hear, you don't hear many people on the street. Maybe it's a little like being county executive. <laughs> you don't hear many people saying, oh, my God, Dot is my favorite agency. <laughs> they're doing a, amazing work. Hey. You know, when they're stuck in traffic, <laughs> it, it's kind of like, hey, whose fault is that? No, I love being the Secretary of Transportation. I mean, this is it is an opportunity of a lifetime to, to serve. I think to serve in a cabinet position just in general, but to to be the the head of, of the Department of Transportation is just something I'm so grateful to do. And, you know, we actually were just at, um, AASHTO is our, our national organization, the American Association of State Highway Transportation Officials. We all get together twice a year. And there are only, I believe there's, there may be 14 women that actually serve uh, as, as secretaries of transportation That's in the lot. entire country. For a long time, it was like five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 15, we've definitely made progress. So to, to be a woman uh, leading this industry is, is something I don't take lightly. And it's just, it's a great opportunity. There is never a dull moment uh, throughout the course of my day when you get to oversee transit, DMV, and all the road and uh, road construction and maintenance. So Again, things that never uh, a dull moment. Yeah, you don't always hear positives. <laughs> about. Although DMV, I think our DMV is the best DMV in the country. It's hard Appreciate to complain that. about our DMV. Yeah, hard, to, hard to complain. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there are those that do. Well, how, you know, I will say this though: we are like, you know, the census just came out uh, a little bit ago, and population growth in Sussex County right now. We only have one DMV in Sussex. It's in Georgetown. So wherever you live, if you're in Western Sussex, you gotta go. You gotta go to Georgetown. And we're seeing such an increase in population down there. It's actually Georgetown DMV is serving more customers on a weekly basis than the others. And so Wilmington used to be the I would say the busiest, but now so we're trying to figure out just creative ways of you know how do we put kiosks in other state facilities or to provide services to people that are on the western side of Sussex. So more to come on there. But yeah, it's I we our our DMV, they they uh their the customer service, their first class customer service in the first state is their motto. So we're we're grateful for them. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anybody that lives in a different state, I think uh, you know <laughs> they pack a lunch when sure they go that. to the DMV. When yeah, they, right, when exactly. Like, they get there and, and they're dinner. like, wait, what? Yeah, and dinner. Yeah. How big is your budget at Del Dot? The entire budget. So we're just under a billion dollars. Wow. It's yeah. a lot. So we have 2,500 employees, just under a billion dollars. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot it's of money. Lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's hard to imagine a billion, right? It's, it's a lot, but it's... The, it, and, you know, the majority of that goes towards the capital projects. So over the next... And we our capital program is is designed on a six-year basis because projects take multiple years to, to actually 
design and build. So over the next six years, we actually have the 23 to 28 CTP out for public comment right now. CTP we'll is capital. Capital Transportation Program. We will invest over $4 billion in the state, $2 billion of which will come to Newcastle County. And then $1.3 is going to go to Sussex County because of the growth that we're seeing down there wow. and the infrastructure need. You said that public comment is up now. Yep. How do you comment, make that public comment? Uh, you can go onto the Dell.gov website, and that's just Dell.gov, and, and submit public comment until, I believe it's the 15th of November, I believe. Yeah. Fantastic. Coming up. Coming up soon. So, yeah. Any comments on capital projects? So if I love something, if I think there if needs to be more of it. If you love it, that's great. If you're like, why is this not a project? You can put that in there. Or like, why are you working? You should, you should be focusing on this project first. You know, any of that stuff. We welcome all of it. Great. Thanks so much <laughs> for your service, Secretary Majeski. Well, thank you. you know, over nearly two decades, I guess, I to the people of the county and the state. Yep. Over to you, Kyle. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. So I don't know what we haven't covered yet so far, but is there anything that you have come in here and you're like, I, I want to I wanna get to the bottom of this thing? No, I mean, I think we, we covered a wide variety of topics today. We, I mean, we certainly did. Have you, uh, all right, so tell me, tell me a little bit about Del Dot in general as the Del Dot secretary. Are you aware of the the Delaware specific memes to Del Dot. I've seen some of them. I, I think the my favorite was the the it's the there's there's so many on 141 and 95. Was yes. it the, the cicada that was like I woke up from after however many years and you're still doing construction on 95 and 141. I, I did appreciate that one. I actually used one. that in a presentation, I think. I, was I, like, I would say similarly, I think most of the best ones are 141 related. My favorite yes. is you should be like 141 and never stop working on yourself. Yes, no matter how one. much it yes. inconveniences yes. everyone else. That is another also, good one. That's also a really good one. People I, are creative. I imagine if we get to a, a point in time where we can put a cap on 95, that will take multiple years and we will have a whole new crop of of dank memes, as Elon Musk it's would say. Possible. But um, I do, I, I, I will give, I have to give kudos and a shout out to our traffic folks because they are the ones that come up with the witty safety messages yes. on our variable message boards that we do get a lot of attention uh, and people actually read them and yes. they're excited about them. I was gonna, so I was going to ask, in light of, you know, the, the meme response online, you guys have come back with some great... I guess the one I usually see is the one right past the mall when I'm coming to work to get off here at 141. Are there other areas that get that have similar message boards? Oh, yeah. So we have some permanent ones that are down on Route 1 a little bit further, and then we have the the portable ones that we have throughout the, the, the state as well that all have our witty message. And and is it the same message that goes across? Mm-hmm. Oh, so no, depending we'll on the ones. area. Okay. Different ones. So and, and you guys have a team of people who, who it's it's our traffic folks. They will come up with them and they're they are quite talented. They're like retired daily show writers. <laughs> they should be. Yeah. Well it's funny, we actually started putting real time traffic information up on some and people were like, but what about the funny messages and we're like well don't you want to know how long it'll take you to get to Wilmington? no no i just want to laugh while i'm sitting in traffic i can see the cars in front of me uh, you know we, you mentioned earlier that there was there was a good bit of speeding and 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 300 plus collisions in that work zone you know it's and it's, i don't feel like it's just there either you know that that 295 split on on uh, 95 495 that whole area always seems to be an issue as you guys look at the the projects you're doing you know, I guess, is there a way with the space that we have to kind of make some of these areas safer anyway as the projects go? Or are we kind of doomed by the decisions that were made 60 years ago in some areas? No, I mean, well, that's what we're doing right now with a lot of the existing infrastructure looking at, do you either have to expand the roadway to add capacity? 
because you've got backups? Or is it that people are going too fast? And so you're looking at, okay, how do I make the road narrower? Like, how do I slow people down? And that's where we calming, like yeah. look at those traffic calming devices and different techniques. So it's twofold. I mean, in some areas, like on 299 in, in Middletown, you know, we've got safety and we've got congestion capacity issues. And so we're widening it. But we're also going to make it a lot safer by adding different signals, widening for pedestrians to be able to like actually walk that whole length of, of 299 now. So it, it's it's both. We gotta we gotta. It's also a balance because you want people to be multimodal and not rely so heavily on on vehicles. But we we understand that people still love their cars and they're still gonna drive. And so it's trying to make it as as safe and conducive for everybody. Yeah, I, where I live out in Newark, I, I don't know if this was the city or Delta that did this. So right outside of Downs Elementary, it's a 30 mile per hour zone. A lot of kids in those neighborhoods walk to school. There's crossing guards, probably seven or eight crossing guards just on Cashew Mill right there. And, you know, for a long, and they would set speed traps up a lot because for a long time, it's 30 miles an hour, people go 45 through it easy. And it was really interesting. Again, I don't know if you guys did this or the city, I'm sure you would know, but it's now, it's a windy road. It's a straight road, but the way the lines have been redone, it now winds yep. and you're forced to slow down. Yep. It's a it's lot harder. It's a road diet. Yeah. Um, you know, I think those kind of projects, that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I thought that was a really interesting way to tackle that issue. Yep, yep. We're, our team is always looking for innovative ways like that. You know, whether it's making the road narrow or, like, actually adding some areas where we've got, you feel like the road is, is coming in. And so you have to, like, it, you automatically just slow down because you're like, okay, it's narrow. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down. As opposed to the, the wide open asphalt that, that was there before. Sure. I, I, are, you, are you on TikTok? I am not on You're TikTok. You're not on TikTok. But are, have oh, you... Oh, apparently Matt is Matt on is, TikTok. Matt is <laughs> the on TikTok. The county executive, I'm sorry. And the fact TikTok. that I'm talking about <laughs> it has probably got him lit up because he knows... He's very excited He knows right I'm trying to keep him away from it. I'm like, we don't need a TikTok, Matt. No. No. <laughs> I think CR was dying over there. He's like, we yeah. are not doing TikTok. Yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> but I do, I do spend some time on it. And there's a guy uh, called Mr. Barricade who his whole thing... I think he's out in California somewhere. But his whole thing is like he'll break down issues with intersections or he'll go, oh, hey, you know, here's this thing and here's how we can make it better if we did, if you did it like this or here's a design that I did here and this is why this traffic flow works. But that was one thing he talked about is like people come through here too fast. So we started narrowing the lanes because mm -hmm. when lanes are narrow, you instinctively slow down. Yep. I think there was another thing about um, like on highways, the length, like people don't realize that those dashed lines are longer or shorter depending on the speed that you're driving through there. That's because crazy. as you pass, and, and it, I guess if they're... It's like you're a traffic engineer. Yeah, what? I know. It's just crazy. It's a hidden so what, talent what that you have. It's what TikTok can teach you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I guess I'm trying to... It, I'll probably get it backward. But if they're shorter, then you're going to feel like you're going faster. Mm -hmm. And if they're longer, you're, it's going to encourage you to go faster. Is that right? If they're longer, they're, you're going to slow... If like they're longer, longer, you're going to slow down. Because if they're faster, you're going to feel like you got to speed up. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. So, so yeah, but I thought that was like, you know, something you don't even think about. Because you're in the car... You know, you don't get out. You're always seeing them at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. You don't get out and look at like, oh, those are actually like 20 feet long stripes <laughs> on the right side. So, stuff like that is really fascinating. I mean, a lot of TikTok is just dumb dancing videos. <laughs> but Apparently, every, I need to check out the county every, executive's TikTok. Every now and then. I mean, this is not, if, if Matt is posting TikToks, we're in trouble. That's, we're, we're not there yet. But, but there are some, some channels on there that I'm like, you know, this is actually, I'm learning. Hmm. This is great. I also want to apologize. Like I have no voice right now. It was the Ravens game yesterday. It went to overtime. I have a full overtime's worth of yelling oh, is on. And I'm just realizing the more I talk, the worse my voice is getting. Oh, so, so you're a Baltimore fan. I am a Ravens. I was born born and bred. Mm, I'm a Sorry. Philadelphia fan. I, I covered the Eagles for 
a number of years. And then as soon as I stopped covering them, they won the Super Bowl. So you're welcome. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. I do appreciate that. Was, that. Clearly, I was the problem. I covered the entire Chip Kelly era, so I definitely was the problem. Got it. Because that was awful. I also Got covered it. the process, so you're welcome for the Sixers. <laughs> um, those two things Well, happened. I'm a huge Flyers fan. That's that's my number one sport. Well, but I'm a Philadelphia sports fan through and through. You got, I, I understand heartbreak. Really oh, well, I'm, I'm, really well. I'm certain. I'm certain I, that you do. I'm very conditioned to it, but your, uh, your flyers still. got the best of my Capitals the other night. Yes, they did. Uh, which was which oh, was unfortunate. The Capitals are a fantastically frustrating team. I I love them, but they uh, drive me insane frequently. We're gonna make a comeback this year. I, I wouldn't Cam doubt Atkinson. it. We will probably have a hundred points and then lose in the first round again. <laughs> so that's. Uh, that's what we you always get, They get your hopes up and then oh, just always like, like, well, this is the year. I, the, the fact that they won that Stanley Cup, they had to have made a deal with the devil somewhere. I don't I don't know how I mean, it actually we're happened. Still, it's what, 19, 1975, I think was the last time we lifted the cup. So, well, I mean, if yeah. anyone is due, really. Uh, true. And, and I, mean, I feel that as an Orioles fan because the last time we even made the World Series was 1983. Mm. So, yeah, it's been, been a little bit. Yeah. I, I, and now that we've gone completely off topic, bringing it back <laughs> to Delta, swinging it back in. You know, I think one thing that, that uh, you know, again, kind of meme culture, but a lot of people joke about is like every road's under construction mm-hmm. at the same time all the time. The truth to that, probably may, maybe a grain of that is true, but how does Del Dot plan out kind of what uh, is going to be yes. the next project as you guys look at I stuff? I swear that there is method to our madness. Um, people are like, you have every road shut down. It's like, no, we actually don't. Um, we do have a lot of, of work that's going on. We, we will admit that. But our, our design team is constantly looking at where we're going to be, you know, five to ten years from now as far as projects are when, as they're developing it. But I have to give kudos to our traffic safety folks because they are the ones that are looking at all of the detours that come in. So, for instance, this week, tonight, <laughs> I know you're, that I'm not sure when this is going to air, but for tonight, we have multiple work that's happening on 95. Tonight is it, Monday, November Monday 8th. 8th. Yes. Well, this so will probably tonight, go up like Thursday. Right. So tonight, we're going to shut down a portion of 95 to do beam work for the Chapman Road project. And so there's a portion of 95 that will be shut down that we're going to detour. But then go north, we're also going to be doing work on 95 with the 141 ramps. And so there's that closure. And so our traffic folks are mapping all of that out and making sure that the detours work. And they're just kind of the geniuses of being able to plot all that out. And they'll say like, hey, this isn't gonna work or this is gonna work. Or we've got work that's gonna be, the Army Corps is doing the rehabilitation of the St. George's Bridge. And so that's gonna cause some closures. And then we've got other work that's happening along Route 9. And so trying to coordinate all of that, they're geniuses to be able to, to coordinate. Sometimes we don't get it right. There's sometimes that we, you know, a project will start and we'll realize that there's a conflict and we have to make adjustments. but. They do a really great job of kind of mapping it all out, and they're they're doing that statewide. Mm-hmm. And so it's just and all the work that we have got going on, you'll see this huge spreadsheet of here's all the lane closures, here's full closures that we have to do, the timing of that, and they overlay it and map it all out and make it all work. And I'm sure you guys are looking. I mean, how far out are you guys looking when you're looking at projects? So right now we're looking out to 2028. 2028. So that's seven, six, seven yeah. years into mm-hmm. the future. Yep. And so you've got you've got a plan, right? Mm-hmm. That looks out six, seven years into the future. These are the projects we're going to do in this order. We're going to we're going to work them this way and that way. You know, we'll kind of have a cascading system, so it's not all shut down at once. And then the next thing you know, a bridge starts falling over, right? Well, we don't want that ever. To you happen. don't want that. But when the no. four ninety five when that happened, yes. how bad did that mess up everybody's plans, right? If you if you have a massive kind of failure 
system or, or failure in the system come in, how much does that mess you guys up? Um, I wouldn't say it messes us up, but it definitely, you have to pivot and you got to direct resources there to take care of that emergency situation. But we are a very large agency. We have a ton of contractors and consultants that work for us as well. So we're able to kind of pull resources in from there to be able to make sure that we're fixing the emergency situation while continuing to keep the rest of our, our network going because I think those in Sussex County still wanted their project to go even though we had an issue in 495. And so sure. there's there's that balance. But I mean we're we're a large enough agency that we can we can pivot and we can redirect resources where we need to, but to keep everything else going too. That that question kind of being a lead in to as we deal with sea level rise and we deal mm-hmm. with continuing greater natural disasters and you know you guys have a very yeah. kind of very stepped piece together plan together does dealing with the unexpected have to become a bigger part of planning as you go forward so it's funny because we're now i mean funny not funny is that we're seeing the strength of these 100 year storms happen on a more frequent basis now and we now have more roads that are overtopped with water on sunny days than we ever have before. Airport Road is a great example, the one that's right here by the county building. We're seeing that more and more. So the storm that we had just a few weeks ago, that the nor'easter that came up, that Thursday before the storm, Fenwick was underwater. It was a beautiful sunny day and roads were underwater because of the wind and the tidal flooding that's happening. And so that storm where it wasn't a lot of rain, the wind itself and the high tides combined, we had areas flood that we had never had before 13 at, and 495 completely underwater at one point and that's area has never flooded before and so we've got to now figure out like why is that happening and what can we do as the next storm comes up to to now make sure that we're we're equipped to to handle that but yeah i mean it's becoming more and more of a frequent occurrence now it's like oh you may have gotten a hurricane or a superstorm sandy or whatever but now it's like we've had more tornadoes in the state in the last year than we ever had. And so it's just, it, it's kind of the nature of where we are now as you know, a country, unfortunately, with the, the weather that we're dealing with, with climate change and with sea level rise. So that's what our team, our, our maintenance folks were constantly looking as we're preparing for storms, where do we have the tidal flooding that occurs and making sure we are able to you know, act quickly to get the roads closed and keep people safe. Yeah, I know, um, you know, especially down Route 1 around the inlet, that's always an issue. The the dunes can be completely wiped out in a nor'easter yeah. and, and wipe out the roadway. Um, I think down in Fenwick, you guys are actually looking at, like, raising some of those roadways. We there's It's been raised in some areas, but, yeah. but continuing to raise yeah. throughout. And so at Route 1, Route 1 at the Indian River Inlet Bridge, um, I believe it was Superstorm Standy. That's where we lost a portion of the, the walkway that's there by the bridge, and then a lot of erosion happened. And so... After that storm, we actually drove sheet pile along the the coast there to protect the infrastructure. We've added asphalt, so we've elevated the road there a few inches, and then working with Denrec to kind of create those natural barriers with the dunes on the bayside. So this last storm was the first time it actually flooded in a really long time for us because that was a a simple rain event. It was underwater, and yeah. so we we'd done a lot to to prevent that. But then when you have those high winds that we had with that flo- that the high tides, it's just 
a recipe for, you know, you're going to have the water on the road and we're going to have to close it. So those are just, and that's where we have to work with Denmark really closely to see like, what can we do um, along the, the shorelines there? Is there a, uh, I mean, cause I don't think we're going to solve sea level rise in the next five years. Is there like a long-term, like we may have to do something creative, build a barrier island or who knows, whatever. Yeah. So we're looking at like those natural barriers. Like how do you increase the berms around there to provide a little bit more protection? Is it worth the investment of elevating the roads. I think a lot of the times people are like, oh, we'll just add more asphalt onto it. Well, the asphalt's just going to add weight to the road and the right. road's still going to sink. So it becomes and, unstable. Right. And so you've got to look at different alternatives. Like, is there different material to use? Is there ways to create kind of the causeway underneath to, to help the flow so you're still protecting the road? And so all those different things are things we're looking at. But you got to weigh the, what can we do short term? Because mm-hmm. people are still going to have water on the roads and they're not going to be able to like Woodland Beach, Bowers Beach. I mean, those are all areas that, you know, we have to look at the safety of those people that are, that are living there. And what can we do in the short term versus the long term fix? Sure. And I, uh, is it Bowers or is it Slaughter? I, what, what's the one you drive through the refuge to get through it? And it's like a long winding road. Oh, Prime Hook. Yes. We did a huge investment there. Yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. used to be completely underwater on, again, a sunny day. And so we did ended up doing improved drainage that's underneath there and elevating the road. As I was driving through there, driving through Prime Hook, and you're on this road that's, you know, water on either side, yeah. and it's fairly up high, and you think this is the only way you can get into this community. That's got to be a massive challenge for you guys. Like, how do we continue to keep these 40, 50, 60, 700, 70, whatever, how many homes in these beach communities from being isolated in a severe weather event. That's right. I think it's Woodland, I believe, that we actually, we have these water on road signs that are now kind of permanent fixtures and there's sensors so that when there's water on the road, they flash Mm. so that the school bus knows that like they can't come down there Mm -hmm. to get the kids. And so we have to like work with them to like make sure the parents can get the kids up to get the school bus. And so things like that, I mean, that's, that's an everyday occurrence, unfortunately, or not, I shouldn't say every day, but it's it's a more frequent occurrence for people that, that are living down there that sure. we're trying to trying to solve. I guess you know for for us locally, what does cause the issue on Airport Road? Because it's funny, it's tidal flooding. Is it tidal flooding? It's tidal. Plus, we had some issues with the the, the tidal gates mm. that were there that weren't functioning well, and so we went in and did some repairs there. I was going to say because, like you said a couple of days ago, it was sunny. I came through and I'm like, why is there so much water on the road? Yep. This is weird. But there have been times that it's rained. And there's nothing. Yep. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. It's the rain and the wind. Uh, not the rain. It's the it's the high tide, the timing of it, and okay. the wind. So the timing of the tide and then the wind will just push mm-hmm. that. It's like a like what they call it, a storm surge. It'll yep. push that. Okay. That makes more sense because I'm like, there's no rhyme or reason. It used to be if it rained, it was flooded. I just knew. And now I'm like, okay, there, there's no rhyme or reason to this anymore. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And that's happening more and more. Sure. Like the Rittenine Corridor, you're, you're seeing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Matt and I did the River Towns ride from Wilmington down to Delaware City. And I had said to him, like, we're really lucky it's raining tomorrow and not today because it was it was wet yeah. along the side of the roads, the road. But you could see standing water, yeah. you know, just off the roadway. So you guys certainly have your work cut out for you over the next we do. while. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get we any do. better anytime soon. Well, we've been talking for a bit. Plus, we had a range of technical difficulties before we even started. So I don't want to <laughs> keep you here any more than you need to be. But is there uh, anything else you want to you wanna add before we sign off? No. Oh, just thank you so much for the opportunity to come in and, and chat. Yeah, well, thank you great. for coming in. I'm glad to know that the building wasn't that traumatizing, that you could come back no, into it. No, and I got to see our old offices, took a little walk down memory lane. It was great. Awesome. Well, thanks again <laughs> for coming in. Thank you, County Executive, for uh, for joining and kicking us off uh, the open. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Podcast.